Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isobe, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Hello. <laughs> you are welcome to this wonderful episode. How are you? All right. Before I go into asking all the, you know, quiz, I mean, uh, questions and exchanging pleasantries, I have to welcome you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, wherever you are on the surface of the earth, this very instant listening to me. How are you? How has it been with you? It's been an amazing, amazing, amazing time, season. Beautiful. I'm doing well. I'm doing A-OK. I, I describe this space as my safe space. That's the word, cafe. You know, each time I come in here, I just feel like, mm, there's something, you know, something to share, something to give. And knowing that you're you're there listening. All right. Welcome. Okay, today I, I want to share with you, you know, something that has been with me for a while. And uh, part of my processing, the way I process my thoughts and get it out there. I love writing. Not like, yes, the way a lot of us understand writing to be. I do a lot of creative writing, but whenever I want to get into that space, I I run into what I call imagination. Yep, imagination. I see through the lens of imagination. Like I say, imagination the way I see and I've come to realize that for those of us within the creative space that really push the boundaries and we want to create stuff we work on the tough on the tough I beg your pardon of imagination you know and somehow that's how we see imagery is a very powerful thing to man to human beings yes we're we're moved by what we see you know generally speaking now it creates this impression on us and that impression we begin to communicate we begin to like uh relate with it so to say have this kind of if i would use the word intercourse you know like a social intercourse, an imaginary intercourse, and we begin to like bring out the best from us 
imagination i call it the way i see so it is one powerful tool for me as a writer as one who creates as one who brings from abstraction that thing that is seemingly unseen but is is there it exists and i want to share that with you but before i go into that and all that there's a story you know i stumbled on some some months ago i've been brooding over it and it's like okay when it's time i'm going to bring it on on the show and i'm going to talk about it you know to buttress this aspect of the power of imagination you know imagination the way i see and it is a story about fanta yes the beverage drink you know fanta of the coca-cola family and uh, and i'm going to talk about it then how it all came about then we would you know dwell look into one or two things also the name fanta you know it came during i'm going to tell you the story in bits in parts but we're going to put it together at the end of the day the name fanta came during an employee contest to name the new beverage drink fanta you know keith in this case that's the head of the coca-cola group in germany i'm going to tell you the story as we make progress but i want to give you this bit before we go in told them to let their fantasia that's a german word for imagination f-a-n-t-a-s-i-e fantasia run wild on hearing that you know a salesman named Joe Nip thought of the name Fanta. And after the war, that's the Second World War, Fanta was brought to the United States by Coca-Cola. And in 1960, they bought the trademark. Now, let us look at the background story of how this came about. You know, as in, yes... The word Fanta or the name Fanta came from the German word for imagination, Fantasia, as in F-A-N-T-A-S-I-E, you know. So I'm going to read some more and uh, give you heads up into this. Now, let's go. I'll skip some lines just to give you the juice. This is Fanta, one of the most popular soft drinks in the world it's easily identifiable by its bright colors and bold advertisement which often feature a group of diverse people dancing to loud upbeat music the brand presents itself as an as multicultural and fun loving and lures consumers with their promise of fresh bold flavors but would you believe that the first bottle of Fanta was made from food scraps, yes, or that it was invented in Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah. So how did we how did we get here from you know how did we get here? So in the book For God, Country and Coca-Cola, Mark Pendergrast. And that's the guy telling it. So they tell the story of how Fanta came to be. It started in 1923 
when Robert Woodruff was elected president of the Coca-Cola company. He had big dreams of expanding the brand and its global reach. In the years before, Coca-Cola's international production was somewhat, you know, reckless. French Coke manufacturers accidentally made consumers sick with unhygienic bottling practices and international demand for Coca-Cola was relatively low. But under Woodruff's guidance, the company established the foreign department later come to be known as the Coca-Cola Export Corporation. This set up this set up official bottling plants in over 27 countries and allowed Coca-Cola to, you know, oversee all of them. While Coca-Cola provided the flavoring, each country provided its own bottling equipment and sugar for its own production. This started a global boom. Coca-Cola sponsored the 1928 Summer Olympics in Amsterdam, where people from all over the world became familiar with the Coca-Cola logo which appeared on everything from hearts and bulletins to the worlds of the city streets. Coca-Cola quickly became associated with the ideal American life and became known in internationally as a patriotic American icon. Coca-Cola expanded throughout Europe, where it eventually reached Germany. An American expatriate named Ray Rivington Powers was put in charge of the German subsidiary he was a charismatic figure and an excellent salesman who would often promise potential clients that they would be rich and own villas in Florida for purchasing Coke. Powers skyrocketed states from 6,000 cases a year to about 100,000 using this tactic. But desperate Powers, crafty salesmanship, he didn't care for the details of financial, you know, bookkeeping and often left bills unpaid and bank statements unopened. As a result, the German subsidiary was a financial mess and the accounts were left in serious need of managing. Then in 1933, Adolf Hitler rose to power and the reign of the Third Reich began, marking a new era for Germany and for Coca-Cola. Enter Max Keith, a German-born domineering air and an unwavering allegiance to Coca-Cola, often described as imposing and a bond leader. Keith was determined to save his subsidiary's accounts. With the German economy booming, he took measures to market the drink to the hard-working people of this country. At the time, this meant re-establishing Coca-Cola's reputation, not as an all-American icon, but a brand fit for German consumption. Much like the Summer Olympics in Amsterdam, the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin were the perfect marketing opportunity for Coca-Cola. It catered all the games once again. Just like with most brands active in Germany at the time, it appeared beside waving banners and with swastikas. After this, the Coca-Cola logo was seen at various athletic competitions in Germany and later even on trucks at Hitler's youth rallies. And the ninth annual concessionary convention and ended with a Keith-led pledge to Coca-Cola and rousing siege hell to Hitler. Despite never actually joining the Nazi party himself, 
Keith was willing to work with the Third Reich to keep the company afloat. Pendergrass writes in his statement, Coca-Cola told Business Insider that there is no indication that Keith collaborated with the Third Reich. Woodrow for this part unattained close relations with Kate before the war. For both men, the top priority was ensuring the prosperity of Coca-Cola. As the war ramped up, so did the economic tensions. The German government began punishing foreign businesses. When Hitler invaded Poland in 1933 and declared war on Europe, Keith feared his American-owned business would also be seized by the government. Then the war entered a new stage. With the attack on Pearl Harbor, the United States formally entered World War II and declared Germany an enemy. It used the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. So while all the multinational businesses operating in Germany at this time were unable to make products, Keith was determined to still produce something, so he made a tactical decision. He oversaw the creation of an exclusively German soft drink. Keith had chemist concoct a soda that was vaguely similar to Coke, caffeinated and with an unidentifiable blend of taste. But rather than being made with the secret 7X Coke flavoring, this product was made from the leftovers from other food industries, mostly scraps from produce markets. This was usually fruit pulp, like apple fibers, from cider pressing and liquid byproduct of cheese cordon. The resulting liquid was a translucent beige that more closely resembled today's ginger ale. Keith asked his sales team to explore their fantasias while inventing a name, and the drink was christened Fanta. The name was a hit. All right, so. That's the story behind Fanta, how it all came about, you know, even within that period when there was serious crisis in the globe, depression, war, and all that. But somebody who saw an opportunity, not minding what the world was going through, how to create that, you know, and from his imagination, that thing we all celebrate today as a drink was born Fanta. Now, let, let us look at the etymology of the word. Yes, let us look at the etymology of the word Fanta. See, because it came from that, should I say, dimension. Yep, fantasy and its many derivations originate in the Greek word Fantasia, which literally means to make visible. You know, we have a lot of conflicting definitions coming from here and there. But basically, we come to see that the word fantasy, it's real. Yes, you know, we've come to like encounter this word on so many levels that when you hear it presently, I mean, fantasy, what comes to your mind? Something that is not real, a make-believe or something. But from this when I saw this story about Fanta and uh, went through to do one or two digging about the word, I've come to see that it is what we have been blessed with, the power of imagination. Yes, not necessarily now we closing our eyes and opening that inner, inner vision, inner vision, you know, to see the way God created us. 
we are created in his image his likeness and after his form so he sees he envisions he creates god is a great if i must use that word imaginator if there's any word like that you know he 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 has the power of imagination which he has also given to us and it is for us to harness it to make our world where we live better we are in times of should i say great challenges a lot of things are going on globally you know and questions have been asked here and there but i think it is time for us to harness the power of our inner vision our fantasia our imagination creating that future just like keith did during the second world war you know when things were all looking bleak gloom i mean gloomy and everything but i mean it's like we need to leave it's not just about survival now it's about living it's about becoming it's about being and boom he should i say walk the path of imagination and it tried to push the boundaries beyond the ordinary and what we see today as the future of coca-cola was born out of one's fantasia so guys the answer is within us the answer is just there looking at us but it is time for us to harness the power of our imagination it is real it is real everything we see all around us that has been some in some way gazetted put down written down was born out of the imagination of men so today i want to encourage you how do you see i describe it as imagination the way i see what you see if you don't like it you don't have to put up with it but you need to just change it through the power of your imagination can it be better can it be done in a better way can i get a better result from this if the answer is yes then sit down and engage your imagination yes one may say it is childish no it is not childish it is childlike you know when you relate with children and you see them describe the world you just see them use their imagination how they create things how they push things beyond the boundaries and all that that is where god wants us to be in my opinion <laughs> oh my yes we have what it takes the materials to create our world yep all right guys i leave you with this thought today you know as we face the challenges all around us i think it is time for us to use our imagination harness yes harness that would i say hidden treasure 
unlock it to create that future. All right, guys, I have to go now. It's our time. It's our place. It's our moment. It is time to release our fantasia. Till I come your way again. Bye for now. After time, it has been with you on the World Cafe podcast today. Thank you for being there. You can catch me up on my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words, and my HR notebook on Amazon and on Robin Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.